Hi, and welcome to the My Bloody Website Podcast, where we talk about all things online, especially for small and medium business owners or marketers. I'm Daryl King. I've been running a web agency for over 25 years, and my co-host, Ed Pelgan, has been running his online marketing agency for just as long. Our goal is to cover things in a way anyone can understand and can improve how they use online in their business, and we're talking to you. This is episode 39, and it's called Three Simple Site Checks You Can Do For Yourself. Hey, Ed, how are you going? I'm doing very good, Daryl, and yourself? Excellent. I'm doing very, very well. So what are we talking about today, mate? Well, you know, we, we spend a lot of time in the nitty gritty, highly technical. We know how to do advanced things. And a lot of times I think you can have a conversation with people and say to them, you know, blah, blah, blah. and I'm, I do this to people a lot where I just bombard them with information. They go, okay, just one thing would be good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so to step back and say to people listening, Here's three things that you can do as a audit for yourself to make sure you're on track. That's right. And, and can I just, I'm going to quickly interject and I'm going to say the reason why this is really important was proven to me this week when I was doing an audit for a client and they've been running this stuff for six months and no one had taken the time to look at just simple stuff to check whether yeah. they were making any money. What does it just, you know, everyone just assumed it was someone else's job or they didn't know how. So Daryl's got some good ideas this week about what you can do. And these are um, lowbrow, if I want to call them that way, and that's not meant to be demeaning. These are just simple things that uh, two of them particularly, you do not have to have any prior knowledge or an account or anything to do. The last one is predicated a little bit on you having access to something, but we'll get to that. And keeping in mind, two episodes ago, we talked about SSL implementation. I think that was episode 37. That's something you could check yourself. We talked about it. So that's a bonus one out of the three. That's not included in three. But if you didn't hear that episode, go back and listen to it. And really, it's about not just checking that your homepage has got the secure signal, actually looking across pages. And this probably comes into an overview for everyone. When you look at your site, when you review your site, don't just go to the homepage and go, life's good. Okay, it's like, like walking in the front door of your house and going, yeah, house is clean, this is great, walking back out again, right? And then you walk, go around the corner and the dishes not done, toilets stink, yeah, whatever. So it's the same thing. Look at a bigger perspective. And if you've got a large site, I know that you can't easily do some of these checks across a large site. So you pick different areas. Don't fall into trap. Well, you know. I clicked the homepage and I went to the men's clothing category and the women's clothing category and the kids' clothing category. Everything looks great. I went to the contact form and we're getting orders. It's all good. You know, so actually go a bit deeper. That's right. All right. So, well, yeah, what's the first one? Okay. So this one I got firsthand experience a couple of weeks ago and uh, I think it's a really simple thing to do. So what you want to do is you want to go to google.com, google.com.au, whatever it is in your browser. And you are going to type the word site, S-I-T-E, and then you're going to put a colon. For those of you that don't know what that is, that's the two dots, one above the other, right? Directly after the word site, so no space. So site, colon, and then you're going to put your domain name. So using our site in this example would be site, colon, mybloodywebsitepodcast.com. And that's it. There's no spaces. That's what you get to see. Now, what that's going to show you when you get the results uh, the first thing it will show you, and uh, last episode we talked about this thing called Google Search Console, and we are going to talk more about that in the future. But you will see a uh, an item at the top now that says, try Google Search Col Console, you know, google.com slash webmasters, and do you own this domain, get indexing and ranking data from Google. Google. So that's cool. Ignore that one for now. 
if you don't already know what it is, we'll talk about it in coming episodes. But what you will mm. then start to see is a list of SERPs, if you like, which is search yeah. engine result positions. But yeah. Yeah, I was about to ask you to explain what the heck a yeah. SERP was. Te- technically, they're not result positions or ranking positions because you're not, it's not a ranking for a query. But the, but the search engine result blocks, which are the title and then the URL and then the d- description that you would see if your pages were showing up in a, in a, in a traditional query. Now, why is this interesting? Well, what it shows you is every page that Google knows about your site. Okay. Doesn't sound real exciting, does it? Mm. Uh, That's exciting. I hope they know about it, but it actually shows you things um, that are really, really useful. So an example is if a page on your site, uh, actually I'll step back. So the example I used was I was just checking how this site was looking because I was doing a fix to the HTTPS implementation because it had mixed content. And as just as a habit, I went and put it in and did it. And the first thing I noticed is if you scroll to the very bottom of the page where Google shows you the pagination, right? So how many pages of results are you getting? This one had like eight. Now the site itself had about 11 pages. So there's typically 10 results that Google will show you. So if there was eight, there's at least 70, right? So between 70 and 80 results. So there's something incongruous here. We've got a site with about 12 or 14 pages. So in theory, it should have 12 or 14 results. Actually getting 70 on. Yep. that, That was the first alert to me that this probably needed further investigation. Um. Now, there are, there are instances where, let's say you had a five-page website. Maybe there might be eight or nine. There are, there are pages that you're not aware about. If you have a WordPress site, typically you probably already have a default 404 page and a, a sitemaps.xml file and some others. You know, there'll be a feed page. So there might be things that you're not cognizant of, you know, a few extra pages. But we're talking, you know, five times as many pages That's as right. four times. That's right. So that's given you basically insight into how many pages on your website exist in Google. And does that correlate to actually how many pages you've got on your website, correct? Yeah. And, and so people might go, well, that's a good thing, right? I've got more pages, well, but, but it's not. <laughs> what, what did you find? What was the cause well, of all these pages? Well, in this particular instance, I found numerous things. So the things that you can see, and then I'll talk about what I found, the sorts of things that you can see. One is Suddenly it said, yeah, to the top couple, it yeah, showed the homepage and, you know, some pages that I expected to see. And then about four or five pages down, there was a little blue text warning under the URL that said, um, this page is not mobile friendly, whatever the exact words were. I went, well, that's a bit odd because I'd already checked the site's responsive and, and the other pages aren't showing that. And as I looked and I quickly jumped through pages, the large number of the pages it was showing, it had that on. So that's one thing that you can get. Another thing that it will show you is um, that it'll say translate this page and that normally sits out to the right of the URL. So there's a URL and there's a little drop-down arrow that allows you to see some history stuff. And then it said translate this page. It was like, well, hang on. It's written in Australian English. Why is it saying translate this page now? Why? Because it had Laura Mipsum on there. It had <laughs> Classic. So, okay, so what I discovered with this site was it was a WordPress site with, that had been installed by a web company with a theme. And that installed all the default parts of the theme, which is an option that you can get with themes. Hey, load in all these stuff. So it puts in all these sample contents. 
So the bulk of the pages indexed by Google were all the template pages, mock-up pages and stuff. So why is that even an issue? Like there's someone thinking out there going, well, what do I care? What does that mean? Okay. Well, so uh, there were uh, replica homepages that had photos that were them, contact details that were the theme developers and all this content about services that they did in their industry. So let's just say that they were a doctor and said, oh, you know, we do gastroenterology and we've got this and that. And it was not related to what they do. So you're now advertising falsely information that doesn't belong to you. But there was also links back to the theme developer, all sorts of things. There were blank pages with just one line on them. There, it was showing things like sample icon options, sample layout options, um, you know, a QA page that was just full of crap yeah. tech. So um, the, the key thing here is that it's showing you stuff that's not good trust signals about mm. your site. So in this particular instance, the, the person relies on trust and integrity and the level of professionality that their business does. And they were exhibiting trust negative signals because it had all this crap content on there. Yeah. Um, and it's messy too, right? I mean, you'll find all these pages. I mean, who, who wants to use it? Yeah. Yeah. How does the user find what they want? They don't, not easily. And, and you, you know, there are fake contact pages. So someone clicks on that and all good faith fills it in. Where does that go? They, you know, so just for all sorts of reasons, but I mean, you could probably talk about, you know, the Google factor. You know, if we're looking at search results, you know, it's hard to rank. Let's not make it harder. That's right. So, so basically what you just explained then is a situation where you can identify any miscellaneous pages that don't belong. So, but what, what else? So like when you, when you do this site colon and your domain name search and you see the search results, what else can you infer from looking at those, that, that content besides? Well, as you know, and it's a big part of what you do when you're structuring stuff, you know, the, the titles and descriptions that are displayed by Google are very clear to see. So rather than when you, so, you know, like if you're uh, the pool builder and we say, you know, pool builder and we do a query and you say, oh, there's a page of mine against all my competitors that's one page in isolation but the, when you see all your pages together you can see patterns you can see stuff that you've forgotten you know like in this one it's got clients hyphen name of company so it's a default page title and then i can see and this is the thing where i suddenly started to go uh, okay there's a whole lot of latin a whole lot of latin but i can see other things for example uh, typically with a blog the archive page for a blog when if you don't have content on it properly or it's not set up properly, it will just show random meta description. Whereas you could go in there and type that up. In this example, the blog page lived in slash blog slash blog because of the way it was set up. So the page that had data was the double blog. The top level slash blog, <laughs> which still exists, it goes menu, back, home, about, blah, 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 blah. That's what the meta description, which was the titles or the links on the page so there's just a whole lot of visual stuff it's very quick to go even if you don't know how to fix it to go dudes right and so this was three things that you could do to audit your site yourself so if you had paid someone 30 days ago to roll out the new version you could turn back up and say to them this is not good enough i thought you know like this this is wrong you didn't give me the quality i expected i want you to remedy this but but if it's an older site, just to know it, there's a lot of power. Hmm. Here's some things I can fix. Here's some Absolutely. things I can do today. I didn't need to pay anyone to learn this, 
now I need to work out, can I fix it myself or I can give it to someone? Yeah, it's a super awesome um, tool, just that doing that site search. So site colon and your domain name.com in the Google search box itself. And I'm going to give you a little advanced tip here. If you want to find out which page on your website Google thinks is the most important to rank for a specific keyword, then you do a site colon, your domain name of your website, leave a space and then put in the keyword. And then Google will, the, the, the number one ranking page on your website will be the one that Google thinks is most relevant for that keyword phrase. So that's an extra little tip there. Yeah. Right. Nice tip, nice tip. Yeah. Daryl, that's number one, using the site, uh, site search feature to find out, uh, to check out your website. What's the second uh, tip you've got for us? It goes into what we've talked a little bit about looking at your site. So most people working at work, check their site out, they do it in a desktop browser. They go, everything looks happy, I'm, I'm fine. A key thing to do is away from the office, out in the real world, pick up your mobile device and go through your site. And do this in several ways. One, go through it and look at a couple of pages. But then actually put yourself in someone's shoes and say, oh, I want to get a quote for my pool. Or I want to engage someone to do my SEO. Or I want to new, my, I want to talk to the web design guys, see if they're suitable for my business. What steps will that user go through to do it and actually complete them? Because uh, on your phone, completely on your phone. Right? Now, I'll give you an example of a scenario here is uh, even te- people that do testing can get this wrong. Someone doing testing, uh, registration process on a site and a login process on a site, doing it, using lots of tools, checking it in browsers, it all works good, going through, and then logging in on a mobile device, but failing to actually do the full test, which is to start on the homepage, find the registration button, answer the email on the phone, and then click through on that and see what happens. Like, how does your device spawn the page from email and then work through and do it? Now, I, I, that was a specific example of work through. So this was even a QA tester that missed a step they did it all here, they operate differently. More importantly is you're checking user experience. So examples of that happen commonly are, we say, oh, that recites responsive. And what that means is that the code is responsive to the device you're on. So you don't get uh, tiny sites that you have to pinch and zoom like we used to do, mm-hmm. or ones that are really wide and you have to scroll and all those sorts of problems. The site fits, everything stacks, and they work. That's that's the start of it. Having a responsive site says the code adjusts, but it doesn't mean it's a good user experience. Mm-hmm. It means it responds. And so you can get results where padding is off. An example I saw a few days back was a block that was put, you know, like a, a highlight call to action across a page. You know, call us on 1-800-1-800, you know, one, whatever. When that was responsive on a standard iPhone or Android, the call to action panel that it was in was like, yeah, it was like nested layers, or whatever. So there was a background and there was a little panel and had the text. So the background responded beautifully, but the text block became this tower of information. So it had like, yeah, so where it said contact us, call us now, and then the phone number, it was CA on the first line, then LL on the second line, then a space then US, so the text was just all, and the number, the phone number was like two, two numbers, two numbers, two. So it had not been thought about. And there are, best, there are better practices for that to be done. Yeah, and I think that that raises the issue too. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, people should start thinking about designing their sites from a mobile-first perspective, right? Think about, totally. shit, how, how's it going to work on the phone? Because uh, they can waste so much time designing a pretty site and getting 
antsy about the layout and the colors and the sliders and, and it all doesn't matter on a mobile phone, right? Just use a tablet. And still to this day, people go, well, you know, most people use desktop for us, whether that's substantiated or not, they still design for desktop knowing full well that the trajectory is changing rapidly. Now, some industries do have more desktop users, but it's still changing over time. And yeah. Critically, everything's got to be titillating on desktop and most of that stuff is crap on mobile. But So the lesson here is use your site, don't just look at your site and work your way through. And you must, at some point, check every page on a device, top to bottom, and can I click that link? Is it touchable? Right. Does it activate? Are they too close together? Or, you know, does the menu, is it easy to actually use? Just because it's a default hamburger menu doesn't mean it's easy for the user. It's just the lazy option, you know. Out of interest, are there any tools that can help do this? Like I might have one device, an iPhone, but I don't have a tablet or a big oh, look, iPad. There are some great tools for checking and testing sites. I know there's a company called Mobile Moxie has a um, automated um, landing page tester where you can actually put in multiple devices or all devices and put in URLs. Cool. Uh, and there are other types of emulators as well. But there is no substitute for at least using the one phone that you've got and checking it. So I think there's two levels there. One is I need to check it across all devices. So some, using like the Mobile Moxie tool is a good way to do it to get a real emulation or a real simulation, I should say, of what it looks like in devices. But the first thing is those things don't necessarily make it easy to move fully through sites the way you would on a phone with your finger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, If you're looking at a desktop and then you're seeing it and then you're clicking with a mouse, is not the same. And you can't do every device. So that's why tools like that exist and you should use them. But when you want to do what I'm talking about is as the marketer or the business owner, the person responsible for caring about our customers, we should use it and use it. Look, we all don't do it. Me, you, everyone doesn't do it all the time. But you have to remember to do that and do it regularly and then use the other tools to check. You know, for example, let's say that you're running a pay-per-click campaign and you have a landing page. You've got one campaign, one landing page or two landing pages. It would make sense to use automated testing tools like that across many devices to snapshot how it looks in those two devices so that I'm not blowing money because some update in my Drupal or my WordPress something broke the page and I haven't looked. Right, So it would make sense to have them you know, every week, every month, pop up, you quickly scroll through them, go, hey, they yeah. all look good, I'll validate it on my phone, tick the box, I'm responsible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, think about how many pages get shared, how many pages get shared onto Facebook, for example, and they pop out. I mean, does it work in the mobile Facebook app? And you know what I mean? All those issues, right? Um, well, you raise a good point because, you know, the statistics for anyone that advertises on Facebook, if you actually look at them, the, the percentage of people that do that on a mobile and then view the stuff on a mobile is astronomical. If you filter out your analytics, which this is a nice segue, but if you filter out your analytics to look at, um, you know, where the source is coming for, for say that particular page and you see it and you go, you know, Facebook, and then you look at whether that's mobile or desktop, you will find it'll be 78% or more on mobile. So Absolutely. You know, what does it look like? And that's not even a standard browser. That's a Facebook browser, which is different. So if you haven't checked that on your phone and clicked the link and looked from Facebook what that looks like when you post it, you've got no idea. I agree. And Facebook is a mobile game. That's where all the action is. All right, that's cool. So first tip was use the site search tool, uh, um, search in Google. The second thing is actually browse your phone. You, uh, sorry, yeah, let's try that again. Browse your website using a mobile phone. 
Uh, tip number three, mate. What is uh, tip number three for doing a simple site check? Okay. So this is actually a very, very simple one, right? So Google Analytics, which is the accounting system for your website effectively. Like <laughs> this shows you the stats. You like that? You like that? Yeah, system. you called it the accounting system. And I was like, what? <laughs> what well, is? Because it, you know, when you have an accounting system in your business, you get reports, sales summaries, P&Ls, balance sheets, all that. Well, analytics is the equivalent for your website. It shows you the traffic, the conversions. It shows you summaries on what's going on. So Google Analytics we've talked about. I'm going to work on the assumption that you have access to your Google Analytics. If you don't, that's a whole different episode we've talked about. But if you've got access to Google Analytics, have you actually logged into it and checked it is showing you data? And the reason I say this is when a site's rolled out, you could do the test, which we've said easy, which is go to the page, right-click, view source, type in analytics or G, capital GA and see that you've got an analytics tag. You can do that and that's great, but what if it's not your tag? What if it's not no. in your account? What if the web developer put the wrong tag in inadvertently or the SEO guy and it's someone else's tag? Your, your graph will be zero. You'll have either it might have ended, you might have had data and now it's gone, you might just have nothing. So it's a really simple check. When was the last time you logged into Google Analytics and checked you were tracking data? That's it. That's right. I mean, I, people shouldn't laugh because a really common mistake that I see is when someone goes and rebuilds their website and the, the new web developer builds the new site. It happens more often than you think that they forget to actually copy the analytics code across. Yeah. Uh, and look, and there can be things that don't happen from human error. I mean, sometimes when plugins update, they deactivate for whatever reason, a hosting problem, some installation problem. So if you're using a plugin to place the code on your site and the plugin deactivates, then you, it's gone. Now, if you don't log in at, at a regular interval, you wouldn't even know. So switched on marketing people probably look at analytics minimum once a week. Right? Mm. They're really paying attention. If they're running paid campaigns, they're probably watching them daily. So they're not going to have this trip them up for very long. But other people just haven't looked. Well, they've looked yeah. once a year. So. Yeah. You know what a really good uh, way to, to avoid that issue too is to go into analytics, you know, if you visit intermittently and actually just look at one of the reports and set it to email yourself every week. Yeah. And that way you'll get an email of analytics. And if it goes to zero, then you know something's happened. So that's a really yeah, good you, check. You, uh, pro tip, you still got to open the email. <laughs> Correct. Them but, you know, people, and this is the thing, right? If, if you care about your online website and you want to make it better, which is what the show is all about, simple you know, grassroots level changes and understanding to be a better online marketer, mm. then you need to log into analytics and you need to do it minimum once a month. I'm saying more than that. But if you're not at logging in once a month and actually having a look, you're being lazy, you don't care, get off the show. <laughs> okay. So in summary, three quick, simple site checks that you can do. One, use the site search function in Google search to see how your pages are indexed and what they look like. Number two, uh, actually spend the time to look at your phone and test it fully on a mobile device, complete the functions, buy something, fill in a form, all that good stuff. And number three, actually log into your Google Analytics and see what the hell's going on and make sure it's tracking data. What do you reckon, Daryl? Is that it? That's easy. it, Matt. That's right. great. Yeah, three easy tips. Use them. We'll get more of these sorts of things out to you in other episodes. We'll just find you practical ways that you can hear this and you can implement them. Go do them today on your website. That's right. Hear and do. Awesome. That's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of My Bloody Website Podcast. For everything that we're talking about, check out bloodywebsite.com. And when you get there, make sure you click the subscribe by email button at the top so you don't miss anything bloody website related. If you'd like to check out the show notes for this episode or any past episodes, all of that can be found on the website. If you'd like to reach out to Daryl or myself, you can find ways to talk to us 
on the About Us page of the site. And lastly, if you want to support the show, you can do that by telling other website owners about the show and by visiting Apple Podcast and leaving an awesome review. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him.